0: The Decibel Geek Podcast, with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, we're back. It's us, the Decibel Geek Podcast, bringing you the very greatest in hard rock and heavy metal talk. We love to talk about it because it's our favorite thing. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my awesome friend, kick-ass co-host, A guy that changed my life so many years ago, Mr. Chris Sinzak. How you feeling, my friend?
2: Wow, it's a lot to live up to, but thank you. I'm, I'm good. I mean,
1: it's true. You know, we're talking about like anniversaries and things that were right around this time. You know, and I get a lot of memories coming up in the Facebook feed and all that good stuff. And Just been thinking about like all the friends I've made over the years through doing the Decibel Geek podcast. And, you know, last week we did the double live stream with Ian and Ralph from the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I hope you guys caught that. Had a lot of fun with them, and I'm just feeling good. Just feeling really good about what we're doing. We do our best to keep up all the time. We've had a lot going on this week, you know, personal stuff, getting our asses kicked at our jobs. We're a little bit behind this week, but we weren't going to leave you completely hanging. We're going to bring you something. We're going to bring you something good. And this is what you've been waiting for since way back before Christmas in July, when we did the best and worst of Led Zeppelin Part 1. Well, today, you get Led Zeppelin, the best and worst, Part 2.
2: Oh, boy, this one. Man, um, <laughs> uh, I really had a blast. Re listening to those first few albums the first time, this one, not so much. Not that I'm gonna slam a bunch of stuff here, but boy, it's definitely a lot less consistent than those first few.
1: Hmm, I don't know. We might have some disagreement on this because I found that revisiting these albums, I my memories weren't as fond of them as maybe they should be. So this was kind of a reawakening for me, but you know what. We'll get into all that when we pick up right where we left off with best and worst of the Led Zeppelin part one and dive into part two right here today. But if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you know, before we get to all the fun and festivities, we're going to do it. We're going to take care of our business. And I happen to already know that we've got some reviews. Oh, yeah. Can you believe it? They're real. I can see them. I can count them. There's five, five stars. These are good. Five-star reviews are what we live for around here. Man, we got a couple of really good ones. Let's kick it off with these. They're Apple Podcast Reviews. This one's entitled, Horns Up to a Great Podcast. Five stars goes like this. Excellent rock knowledge. After listening to murder crime podcasts for the last three years, thanks for not making it seem like the world is all morbid crazy. At least rock stars are funny crazy. Only have about 500 more episodes left to catch up on. Ha <laughs> That's awesome. That comes to us from Link N J via Apple Podcasts from right here in the good old USA. Good luck with that, man. You got a long ways to go. We've been doing this for a long time.
2: And be uh, be gentle with us on those first few, please. <laughs>
1: Trust me, it only gets better. <laughs>
2: it couldn't get any worse.
1: <laughs> that may be true also. Yeah. Hey, here's something in your future that you might want to look forward to. This is another Apple podcast review, a little bit longer. I like these ones, a little more epic. This one's entitled Alternate History: A Hit. 5 stars goes like this. As a topic, I was a little skeptical about this episode, but when it was all over, Aaron really outdid himself. This has become one of my favorite episodes in your entire catalog. I think you should do more of these segments. Imagine an alternate reality where Ace's 1978 solo album becomes the biggest-selling album of all time, and Ace becomes bigger than Elvis. Hmm. <laughs> That makes me feel good.
2: <laughs> I was like, they're I like they're that definitely idea. winning Aaron over on this review.
1: <laughs> Goes on to say, you could even take the concept outside the world of KISS. Imagine another alternate reality where instead of joining Van Halen, Sammy Hagar, and Neil Sean, after he quits Journey when Steve Smith and Ross Valroy get ousted during the making of Raised on a Radio and further pursue their one-off HSAS project and hit big. Not to shamelessly plug, but that album wasn't half bad. And had this happened in reality, Sammy would have avoided the wrath of Van Halen fans. The possibilities are endless. Hmm. And that comes to us from Elizabeth Gaines on Apple Podcasts right here in the USA. Yeah, I like it. We talked about that and said, you know, there's not a whole lot of bands you could do this with outside of KISS. But you know what? There were some pretty good ideas right there. Yeah.
2: HSAS. um, I don't know that that would have blown up like Van Halen big, but I I guess it it could have had more legs.
1: Yeah, but Van Halen was already big before Sammy Hagar joined. I mean, so they already had the built-in audience. That's like a famous rock star starting a podcast. They're hot from the get-go. They don't have to start at humble beginnings like we did and claw your way up to where we're at. I mean, they're big to begin with. So you're just joining in on something that's already got the recognition. So that would have been different because HSAS would have had to really, boy, it would have, yeah, alternate timeline. I guess anything is possible. And
2: maybe they would have picked a decent name.
1: Yeah, that probably that probably didn't help either. That's such an awful band name. I remember seeing that album not too long ago and going, What is that? And then I was like, Oh, okay, that's what that is. And the wife ended up buying it for her dad. I do. But I never got I, never got word back how it was. It does have
2: a good cover of a whiter shade of pale on it. I do like that.
1: Oh, the old uh, Chicago ballad.
2: Now it's um
1: Moody Blues? Uh Procall Harum. What the hell do I know about anything that isn't hard rock and heavy metal? Oh, one of my
2: all-time favorite songs.
1: Yeah, I can't tell any of them apart. It's all yacht rock to me.
2: Isn't that a Billy Joel song?
1: I think so. Or it could be. Or a Peter Chris song.
2: Or a Michael McDonald song. <laughs>
1: jamming some of that christopher cross (laughs) oh no this is bad we need to get back to the rock all right thank you guys for those reviews we love them a lot you know what one from a lady elizabeth gaines she's been a fan of ours for a while always chimes in with stuff we appreciate you very much not just because you're part of our two percent but because you left us a great review so thank you guys for doing that if you feel so moved by an episode maybe you're a led zeppelin fan maybe you think this is pretty damn awesome that we're doing this maybe you got the time you can leave us a review we love them on apple podcasts we like them on PodChaser. we also like facebook recommendations those seem to be the easiest ones but not the easiest ones to get for some reason
2: yeah it is weird
1: i don't know We'll take it any way you want to give it to us. We will. So there you have it. Those are our reviews and recommendations. Please leave us one. We like it a lot. You know, every week when we come out with a new episode, we like to put it out there on the socials. We put it out there on the Facebook. We put it out there on the uh, the X, I guess. And you got a chance. You can take that. You can share it with your friends. You can retweet it with the people that follow you and get the word out about what we're doing here on Decibel Geek. And then, you know, believe it or not, As you saw in that first review here today, there are people that don't know about this podcast that are rock fans. Yeah, you think everybody at this point who's a rock fan has gone, you know what, I'm going to check out this podcast thing. You know, they've only been around for 20 years. I think it's about time I give it a try. I hear good things about podcasts. And then they go, you know what? what, what am I into? Oh, I love hard rock and heavy metal music. I love to hear people talking about that. It reminds me of hanging out with my friends. And they go, I'm going to look this up. You know, They might not even know about Pantheon Podcast because if they did, they know they could have it served right up to them. But they're going out there and they're trying to find it. You know, And who knows what pops up? They could get any kind of garbage show. There's a handful of good ones and thousands that aren't so good. Save your brothers and sisters of rock and roll the time. And share and retweet our episodes so that they can see it and go, yeah, that sounds about right for me. And next thing you know, they're right on the Decibel Geek Community Facebook page group along with you, commenting on stuff, sharing their experiences, and finding out they're a part of a community. It's so easy. When you see our episode posted on Facebook or on X, just share it, retweet it, and what happens is now you've been included. Oh, yeah. You've been included with a group of awesome people who feel the same way as you do. And now you are also an honorary Geek of the Week.
2: Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Eric Luzier, Sean Geek Podcast, Ralph Vieira, Simon Cat, Mar- Todd Cunningham, Craig Turdich, Brent Tibbetts, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Sherry Newhouse-Williams, David Glenn, Grayson Gallegos, John Phillips, Mike Parnell, Steve Selepsky, Shay Hargett, Keith Rockford, Aaron Baker, the Kevin Northern Page of Stuff. Tom Logsdon, Mike Bold, Tony Smith, Alan Tate, Mark Starsky, Eric Senzak, Myra Chapman, Derek Novak, Shane Aber, Pantheon Podcast, Daniel Herbert, Thorbjorn Bjorn Olsen, Sit and with Joe, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry B.S. Sessions, David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, Jay Sablewski, J.J. McElhenny, Eladio, Vett, Halen, Whiting Guitar Works, Kevin's on Fire, Tom Smoke, Belmondo, Hakon Bergstad, Too Punk to be a Podcaster, Ernesto Aguiar, and as always... The Mooger Fooger.
1: Oh, man. We were on the money with that one. Mooger Fugger is going to be so happy.
2: Well, that sounded on the money to you, but not to me.
1: But oh. <laughs> the
2: joy of Skype.
1: <laughs> that sounded good. We'll see how it turns out in the edit. So thank you, everybody that did that. Shared and retweeted our last week's episode. Everybody loves Beat the Geek. It's a lot of fun. Awesome game show. We like to do it. We had some great guests on with us. Chris stood tall. I stood even. And we all had a really good time. So thank you guys for sharing that. And of course, our Geek Warrior episodes in the in-between. You can share those too and you'll also be included on this list. So, there you have it. The business. It's been handled and we're ready to rock and roll. Man, when we last left off, our heroes were conquering the freaking planet undoubtedly one of the biggest rock bands in the entire world and just when you think they can't get any bigger well here comes 1975
2: yeah so physical graffiti comes out in 75 and um i kind of viewed all these as a whole like just a grouping of albums and it was interesting to uh because I really haven't listened to these in a long time and you know the the box set was my guide for a long time so it was I got to listen to some the some of these I don't know that I well more in the later albums I don't remember hearing much before but this one had the, the in my research it was interesting because this has a lot of songs that fit well together but what I noticed was it is a collection of kind of cast-off songs that weren't on other albums and which it makes it surprising that it works so well together, but uh, very, very good record.
1: Well, yeah, that's, you know, perfect to your point. The song Houses of the Holy Mm -hmm. is on physical graffiti, but the last album that we talked about on the last time that we did this was the album Houses of the Holy. So I always wondered, like, that doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't that song, being a title track, have been on that album and not this one yeah well from what i
2: read the um it was recorded for houses of the holy obviously but they left it off um because they thought it sounded too similar to dancing days
1: yeah i guess i could see that yeah i could see that and then um, from what i read you know they already like you said had a handful of these songs recorded and then When they went to record more, man, they were on fire and they were knocking them out left and right. And then all of a sudden they go, man, we've got enough here for a double album. Mm -hmm. Now, me personally, I look at this and go, man, this would be one of those that you could do an episode with and say, take this double album, eliminate some songs and let's turn it into a single album. And I mean, you could make a perfect rock and roll album out of this with a few ejections, I think.
2: Oh, I totally agree. And as then as we get further down, there's full albums that could have been made into great EPs.
1: Yeah, yeah, that may be true also. Yeah. So I guess we'll just go through it. Physical Graffiti is an amazing album, just loaded with amazing songs. Some of my very favorite Led Zeppelin songs. And to pick a best and a worst off of here, Man, it's tough to pick a best. That's for damn sure because there's so many good ones on here. I mean, the opening track, Custard Pie, I mean, it's got such great guitar and I love the sound of like the the boing, the kind of springy bass on that song and it's got like a great sexy groove to it. I mean, I consider that to be one of the better songs on this album in the light It's got that like trippy keyboard intro extendo thing going on at the beginning. But man, when that song kicks, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's a good song on here. Maybe not my favorite, but it's a good one. This one, mm, this was one that was right there with it when I decided my favorite. It really came down to these two songs The Rover. Yeah, man, that drum and that guitar intro. Love this It's like heavy Zeppelin That riff and that hook I mean, you just can't top it I'm still juggling with that one It might be the best I don't know In My Time of Dying, it's just that classic Zeppelin blues song. I mean, it sounds like something that could fit on one of the first two albums. And even an example of maybe some Christian rock from Led Zeppelin, you know, a song about dying and going to heaven. It's there, I'm telling you, check it out. Houses of the Holy, we talked about that. I mean, songs like this, I think, because it's so poppy and catchy. Like, I could hear young members of Cheap Trick hearing that song and going, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Ten Years Gone, it's a sweet love ballad. It's beautiful. It's kind of Beatlesque in a way. You know, it's very cool. Man, so many to pick from on here. Trampled Underfoot, I mean, it's pretty keyboardy, but it's still jamming. It's one of them songs when you hear it, you can't not bob your head a little bit while it's playing because it's just got such a good jamming drive to it. Cashmere? I mean shit, I get stoned just hearing that song. <laughs> it's got such a damn groove to it. I love it. Uh Sick Again is another one I like. You know, some of these songs, and this comes up on multiple albums here. You kind of really see how Steve Marriott really also had an influence. You know, he's known for his influences on guys like Paul Stanley and stuff, but especially on the song Sick Again. I mean, it's got some real Humble Pie style to it Mm. That I could pick out of there And a lot of Robert Plant's, like, vocal style Is reminiscent of, like, Steve Marriott from Humble Pie Especially in that song But for me, man, number one favorite song on here If it's not the Rover It's gotta be the Wanton song I mean, just the way it starts It's like, blam, and it kicks off, you know And then I think about like 80s rock bands like these guys are kids and Led Zeppelin's like the biggest thing in the world and they're living in California and going to start bands of their own in the next decade. But this song is like a total influence for like the 80s rock bands that I love so much like an alternate chorus for this might be we drink, we smoke, we love to poke, we're fucking across the world. think about all the bands in the 80s that wrote songs about having sex this is where it comes from right here it's awesome my favorite song on physical graffiti the wanton song because it fucking rocks and it's heavy and it influences everything coming forward that i would love in the next decade as far as worst i mean there's some songs i like night flight it's not bad but it's not really great um, what's the acoustic little diddly thing? How do you even say that? Bronyar? Yeah, Bronyar
2: is how I've always said it, but who knows brawn-yer? if that's right or not.
1: That's like Jamaica. You're like, <laughs> I don't know. You got like a nice example of like some black country and Western European music with Down by the Seaside. It's got kind of a country thing to it. I don't know. Oh, there's some bad ones. Boogie with Stew. It's like. Ragtime music? (laughs) Like heavy metal ragtime? I don't know. What's the worst? Probably. Man, Boogie with Stew's pretty bad. (laughs) But I guess I'm gonna go with Black Country Woman. I mean, it's just it's like weird, it's it's Bob Dylan shit, you know? Why? Why does Zeppelin do this? You know, they yes, I know they've done like the folk metal songs in the past, but This really kind of takes it to a new level where it's like, this isn't Bob Dylan, this is Led Zeppelin. What are you guys doing here? This song is lame. Right. So there you have it. My best, the wanton song, the worst, Black Country Woman.
2: Uh, We're pretty simpatico on a lot of our thoughts on these songs. I didn't really think about the wanton song being an influential one for the 80s, but when you said it, then I'm like, yeah, I can... That riff was actually probably recycled for several of those '80s rock bands, you know. Um, yeah, it's
1: got the right energy too. But uh, I want to get a T-shirt that says, "I like to drink, I like to smoke, I like to poke, fucking around the world." <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'll talk to Click T and see if they'll make it.
1: All right, nice,
2: <laughs> and have Aaron Camaro credited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. Custard pie, awesome album opener. The Rover, the groove on that's good. I that one almost made it. For my, it's so good. For my favorite, Um, in my time of dying, it's just it's an epic bluesy song that has a lot of twists and turns. I mean, how do you? I noticed you didn't. Well, you know, you you mentioned Cashmere as far as like a song to smoke weed to, and I I don't want to shortchange it because it's it's a we all have fatigue from this song because radio ruined it for us. Yeah. Um, but objectively. It's one of the best songs they ever wrote, I think. It's true. so different than everything else that was out at the time, but I'm still not going to go with it for my best. And then the other ones that I like, Night Flight actually grew on me as I listened to it over the last couple of weeks. Um, I didn't like it much at first, but all right. So for my best, I'm just going to go with Houses of the Holy because um, I think it's it's got that poppy kind of bop to it and it's not that i really want zeppelin to always write pop tunes but it's good at i like they're great at it when they do venture into that territory and like you said cheap trick could have easily done that song um but i just love it. it it's quintessential led zeppelin to me it's what i like what i go for and i've always i've always gone to that song I love most of the songs on here. Travel Underfoot's great. Ten Years Gone's amazing. Um, down by the Seaside, I even like. Uh, Boogie with Stew" is goofy. But I will also say it's, I like the tip of the cap to Richie Valens with the, because like he, he borrows some lyrics from a Richie Valens tune from back in the day. So, yeah. and they even credited uh, Richie's mom on the song. So the family could get some money which well,
1: that's cool the, yeah
2: it's a case where zeppelin actually credited somebody instead um
1: yeah and richie valen's mom said that's nice boys but can i have a good song
2: right yeah it's not the best song it's one i would eliminate for sure sick again i don't care a lot for but uh i'm gonna agree with you black country woman it just bores me to tears there's nothing yeah. special about that song and I mean, I guess it's performed right. It's performed well, but it's just not that good of a song. It just it just kinda sits there.
1: And like I said, you know, when you get Led Zeppelin, I put that in, it's not because I'm in the mood for Bob Dylan. Yeah. Because I'm never in the mood for Bob Dylan. And so I don't want to hear that. And it's like this album's crazy because you look at it and go, Man, there's a handful of songs on here that could be considered to be like some of the greatest songs in all of rock history. But then you get a little further in there, and it's like, yeah, but then you also got songs like Boogie With Stew and Black Country Woman mixed in here, too. And then you talk about, like, you know, you get some songs that are just straight-up rock, and then you get weird stuff like Cashmere, and then, like, you get the old bluesy stuff like you'd expect from their earlier career, and then, like, the poppy stuff like House of the Holy, and, you know, it's just this album is all over the place, so it's like, I don't know if it's, like, there's a little bit of everything for everyone, or there's so much good stuff on here you really don't mind the crappy stuff so bad.
2: I've got a theory, and it'll play itself out as we go along these records. I think Led Zeppelin might have been the original troll because I think they probably were like, "Let's let's throw an oddball one or two on here, and this will really piss them off." I I just wonder if there's some of these they put on here with like a wink and a nod, like, "Yeah, this is fucked up. Let's put it on the record." <laughs>
1: I mean, I wouldn't put that past these guys. I really wouldn't. But, I mean, also, the, you're dealing with four guys who all had
2: very, very different influences to each of them. So it's also you know. symptomatic of a band that gets massive success and egos get inflated, where it's, you know, three other guys are like, this Boogie with Stu song sucks. And then the fourth guy's like, no, but I really like this one. And they so they just keep it on there.
1: like, well, looks like this is going to be a double album. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, too, you know, like, I think it goes without saying, like, uh, I mean, I could say it for every one of these songs, like, Robert Plant's vocals are amazing. Jimmy Page's guitar is out of this world. What John Paul Jones brings with this album, all the keyboard stuff, a lot of it's pretty subtle. I don't mind the keyboards when it's subtle, yeah. and they they find a way to kind of put it in there, but it's not up in your face and his bass playing and the things he's doing with his guitar are just amazing bottom. you can't beat him. You know, one of the greatest drummers of all time. Like if you sit, boy, I could listen to Zeppelin songs that like had everything eliminated, but the drums and probably still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Some of these songs, maybe even enjoy it more because the stuff he's doing is pretty freaking magical and heavy, you know, and heavy and stuff. And, you know, soft in places where it needs to be. I mean, one of the greatest drummers of all time. So you got all these these four musicians. We talked about this in the first one. They're all so good, and they're all so talented, and they bring so much to the table individually that when it all comes together, there's a reason why Led Zeppelin's considered one of the greatest bands of all time.
2: Yeah, and to go, to go back to my house as the holy pick, um, you had mentioned Steve Marriott earlier, and I, I also I hear a lot of Steve Marriott and uh, his vocal on that song, which also yeah. plays into and yes, we have to bring Kiss into every discussion. Uh, you can clearly hear how Robert Plant and Steve Marriott influenced Paul Stanley. You can just hear so many of the same mannerisms and what he would do.
1: Oh, for sure, because I mean, around the time this album comes out, I'd read that like all their past albums once this comes out and goes to number one pretty much everywhere on the planet, all their previous albums all of a sudden re-enter, especially here in the United States, re-enter the charts. Yeah. So it's like you come out with this great album, and everybody loved the stuff you came out with before, and a lot of those went to number one. But when this comes out, then your whole entire catalog all of a sudden goes back on the charts, even though that stuff is years old at this point.
2: Yeah, it's, it's incredible. They really became kind of a part of the fabric of society around this time. They were just, yeah. they were, cause everybody, uh, Kiss likes to brag that they were everywhere and they were, but Zeppelin was, they were like, kind of like, uh, in the eighties, we had Bruce Springsteen, Madonna, Michael Jackson. They were, they were in that rarefied air in the seventies that they went to in the eighties.
1: Oh yeah. Going around doing shows, breaking records set by the Beatles I mean, and especially here in the United States. Like, they were truly adopted here because I think around this time, they, what, left England because of taxes? Like, the taxes were too high there, so they left. And they hadn't gone back for a while. Yeah. And so there's a whole backstory with that, too, where people in the U.K. kind of felt like Zeppelin had turned their backs on them, even though it was totally a money thing. But here they are touring the United States over and over again, and the people back home are like, what the hell? Yeah.
2: Um, and actually, uh, what do you think of the album cover for this one?
1: Um, I was trying to figure out if this was one of those album covers that did stuff. Like we talked about Led Zeppelin 3, how the LP had the thing inside that you could change the cover of the album. And I've only got the CD. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I bet you it is, I don't know what they call it, but it's like uh, lenticular or whatever, where like you can move it and it changes and does stuff. Like there's different pictures in the windows. But if it's just the picture of the building... Like on my CD, <laughs>
3: it's
1: not it's not as special. It's kind of boring, but Led Zeppelin not really known for their awesome album covers, though. Yeah,
2: this one I on the on the wiki page it mentions that the the album designer Peter Corriston... Was looking for a building that was symmetrical with interesting details, not obstructed by other objects. He came up with the rest of the cover based on people moving in and out of the tenement with various sleeves that could be placed under the main cover and filling the windows with various pieces of information.
1: That's what I thought. I thought it did something and changed. So to have the actual original LP, probably pretty cool. Looking at a picture of the building on the CD cover, not so great.
2: In a little over a week, I'll be in New York, and I'm hoping to get a chance to see it in person. Nice. Also used to um, film the Rolling Stones video for Waiting on a Friend.
1: Huh, I don't really know that one. That must have been an 80s thing, huh? Uh, 81. Yeah, Stones kind of sucked by then. Well,
2: Tattoo You is a pretty big record.
1: Yeah, but when we're talking about like this time in the 70s, like, prior to this, because there is no Beatles anymore. Right. So your biggest bands are the Stones and the Who. By the time this album hits, man, Zeppelin has blown them away even. Yeah, it was kind of
2: like passing of the torch. Well, although the Stones still played stadiums.
1: Right. Yeah. But they weren't no Zeppelin. Mm-mm.
2: So that moves on to 1976, the year of my birth. Presence comes out. And uh, on Swan Song, of course, produced by Jimmy Page, of course. Um, speaking of album covers, have you ever understood this one either?
1: <laughs> no, not really. And, like, you could say, okay, I get it. You know, it's like there's a presence. This thing is a presence. And then you look at the album artwork on the inside and everything, and be are like, okay, it's different scenes. It's got this thing. This thing is a presence in each one of these scenes. But just to look at it as an album cover, you'd be like, what am I buying? What is this? Surely this isn't Led Zeppelin.
2: Yeah, it's really odd.
1: Man, for a band, you know, I never really thought about that before, but think about the whole discography. Like, if you were to say, what was the coolest album cover? Oh, man, for Zeppelin? I don't know, because, yeah, I mean, I guess Zeppelin, because it's got the Zeppelin on it, but as far as, like, these albums we're talking about today... None of them are very cool. I mean, House of the Holy is kind of cool, but it's weird. Yeah. They're okay. I guess they're just more a product of their time. Yeah, I guess so, but you think like an epic rock band like Led Zeppelin would have like really cool iconic album covers. Like I don't want to wear a t-shirt that's got presents on it, you know?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, this is an interesting album. I mean, recorded in uh, West Germany in uh, November to December '75. Um, I like this record a lot. Um, it could have been longer. It's a short record. Yeah. Um, if you want me to go first, I'll go through my thoughts. Okay. Um, man, it's uh, there's a couple of songs on here that are just not good, but everything else is amazing. I think For Your Life's a great song. Nobody's fault but mine. Just an amazing riff that they ring for every bit of what it has in it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. T for One's great. I think that's a great song. Um, it is kind of since I've Been Loving You Part 2, but nothing wrong with that. But to go for best, and this is pro- this might be my favorite Led Zeppelin song of all of them, I'm going to go with Achilles' Last Stand. I just think the the pace and the frenetic energy of it is just awesome. favorite memories. I was working at Pizza Hut years ago in my early 20s and um, the local rock station was they did, and all stations did this, I'm sure yours did too, where they'll do the A to Z of rock and they'll play you know, songs starting with A all the way through songs starting with Z Yeah. and the first song they played was Achilles' Last Stand and a bunch of us were in there and I was a little older than everyone else and I cranked it and even the younger people were like man, that's really good and it's just it's got a, such an epic feel to it, and although something I it hit me when I was listening to it the other day that I never really thought about was... Ha, this song sounds a lot like Lights Out by UFO.
1: Yeah, kind of has that same kind of chug to it. Yeah,
2: and even like the higher chords are pretty similar to it, so I don't know if that's intentional or not, or if one borrowed from the other, but I thought that was interesting. But that, that might be my favorite Zeppelin song. I don't find any flaws in it at all. And then to go for my worst, um, it was really down to two songs. It was going to be Royal Orleans. Just don't like that one. And huh. But the one that won out was Hots On for Nowhere. Uh, hmm. This is just not a good song to me. And I already have a feeling, and I don't know your picks. So I'm going to predict you're going to pick Candy Store Rock. Um, but was I. As the best? No, as the worst.
1: so you're out of your mind
2: no um but hot's on hot's on for nowhere is terrible
1: yeah it's i don't know it's okay it's all right all right so my impressions this album right off the bat achilles last stand fuck yeah it's awesome dungeons and dragons led zeppelin is back yeah that's something we missed on this last album like you got to have at least one kind of D&D type song, right? Yeah. Physical Graffiti don't really have that, and they said we need to fix that. First chance we get, first song on the next album, we got to bring it back to the land of fantasy, and this song just jams, man. I love Achilles Last Stand, one of my all-time favorite Zeppelin songs. I actually got a little more love for this album than you do, I believe. Like For Your Life, it's got a great hook that grabs, but the song does kind of drag on a little bit. I like Royal Orleans. It's got like a funky, almost R&B type vibe to it. It's a a cautionary tale of things you couldn't sing about in song nowadays. It's got a cool groove to it. I dig it. Hots On For Nowhere. I mean, it's got a great bass hook, and it's bouncy and fun. But yeah, it is kind of weird, especially towards the end. Like at first it starts out and you go, yeah, I think I like this. I think I like this. And then the longer the song goes on, I go, eh, Maybe it's not that great <laughs> by the end. Uh, T for one, man, this is yeah. I like that song a lot. It's it's a song of like sensual longing. You can feel it.
2: It's their it's their Barry, Barry White track.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can feel it in your soul when you listen to that. You're like, mm, if you've ever missed something, yeah. listen to the song T for one, and it's gonna it's gonna bring them feelings right up in you best song on here for me i'd say by far but i really love Killy's last stand but for me it's nobody's fault but mine it's so good from the guitar intro to plant like doing the sing-along with the guitar and then it bam it kicks in mm, so good Hard rock bands of the 80s and 90s cover Zeppelin. A lot of times they cover that song. And I think that's because like that's a precursor to Kiss, to Aerosmith, to Motley Crue, to Guns N' Roses, to everything that comes after it that's heavy and cool. It's yeah, it's that, you know, and then you're right. Candy store rock. (laughs) I mean, it's it's not the worst thing I've ever heard, but it's the worst thing on this album. It's like a tribute to Elvis. Like, oh, baby, baby. You know, what? what is this? This is not Led Zeppelin. This is weird. I thought it'd be cool. When I listened back to it, I thought, I bet you I like that. I think for some reason I thought I did like it. But when I listened back, it's like, no, this is easily the worst song on the album. It's worse than Hots On For Nowhere. You know, a lot of these songs on these albums, most casual rock fans probably know those songs. But there's a reason you don't ever hear Hots On for Nowhere and Candy Store Rock on the radio. It's because they're not really great.
2: No. Yeah.
1: As far as being bad, I give the edge to Candy Store Rock. I just, oh, baby, baby. stop
2: it for some reason i found that one fun to listen to um i get what you're saying though it's definitely a departure and i always viewed it as like just a it's an homage to elvis and you know carl perkins and all the 50 stuff they grew up on
1: yeah i can dig that but i don't have to like it (laughs) it's the worst robert
2: plant does not need to be a greaser
1: No, save that shit for after Led Zeppelin breaks up and you can start a band called The Honey Drippers. You can do all kinds of bullshit like that. Oh, boy. You might even get a big hit out of it. Who knows? That video annoyed
2: me when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, because everybody's like, oh, that's that's the guys from Zeppelin. And I'm like, man, Zeppelin kind of sucks. Like, the 80s and MTV really kind of swayed me on a lot of bands that I would have liked, but because I was introduced to them in the 80s, I didn't. They'd be like, this Robert Plant solo stuff. That song Big Log was pretty cool. But other than that, like everything I seen by Robert Plant was kind of lame. David Bowie, The Stones, ZZ Top. MTV ruined as many bands for me as they introduced me to that I loved, I think.
2: Absolutely. And like, I remember seeing the video the first time. I'm like, The Honey Drippers? What the hell kind of name is that?
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I mean,. You get older and you go, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, you but.
2: get it when you get older, once you hit puberty. but yeah, Right,
1: when and then, but still, it's kind of lame. It, yeah. It's like, why does everybody get so excited about this Led Zeppelin if that's what it is? But then you get a little older, and like I said, my dad had the records around, so for me it was like, what is this guy doing? That's not <laughs> nothing like the Immigrant Song and things like that.
2: Or even with Zeppelin when they did their quasi-reunion at Live Aid. Yeah, that wasn't good either.
1: Well, and then, like you say, a lot of these songs on these albums, you know, Candy Store Rock, you know, when I was a kid listening to my dad's Zeppelin One and Two and Three, and I'm hearing all these epic, heavy rock songs, and then now you go to this, and it's like, especially on the next album we're going to talk about, you'll be able to hear like where Robert Plant is going. It's almost a good thing that Zeppelin broke up because if that's the direction they'd have gone in. Then I think Led Zeppelin would have been one of those bands where they say, you know, they were really good at one time, but then after a while, they just sucked.
2: Well, I'm I'm partially of that opinion with what we're reviewing. I mean, I not that it's not that they sucked, but I do feel like as you go further into this, that they start running out of ideas, and and I, yeah. it's not nearly as prolific and consistent as those first few records. It's just. It sounds like a band that's egos have gotten out of control. Probably they're obviously with Bonham, you know, substance abuse. Um, I think it was just a mess. And like you said, they're they're tragically, because of Bonham's death, it sealed their legendary status.
1: And you know what? And they come back after he dies and says, you know what? We're going to hang it up. Yeah. But I got a feeling, looking at the trajectory of how these albums are going, I think it was headed there either way. I
2: think so, too. I think they knew it was over.
1: Yeah, because at some point along here, you get Bonzo, and he's drinking and eating and smoking and you know doing every unhealthy thing that you can do to yourself to the max. And then you got John Paul Jones, and he's so fed up with all this that he wants to quit the band and almost does. And then Robert Plank gets in the bad car accident. And messes himself up and his son dies unexpectedly, his little three-year-old kid, and then Jimmy Page is, you know, on heroin and worshiping the devil. (laughs) And like so you think of these guys like this is a well-oiled machine. We're coming out of that last episode we did about this, going, These guys are unfreaking stoppable. They're a well-oiled machine. They each bring so much to the music, to the songwriting, to the the sound, the the fashion, the everything, you know, everybody looked up to Zeppelin so much that it's almost inconceivable to think that that could last at that level to keep going, you know, something's bound to drop off, and as it turns out, it's a little bit of everything, like too much, too much is so much that it it just fucks them all up from the inside, and, you know, I hate to say it, with some exceptions here, It kind of shows through in the music, too. Now, I will say this. I have a better respect for Presence now today since pulling that album back out because that really wasn't one that I went back and revisited very much. But to hear Achilles' Last Stand and Royal Orleans and Nobody's Fault, even for your life, and go, man, this was a pretty damn good album. T for one. There's some great stuff on here, but... Even the best songs off these albums don't even come close to the stuff that came before, I don't think
2: no, I don't think so either I mean there is there are highlights like you said, but the but the first few are just so damn powerful um yeah. and then of course, you know we're not gonna go through song remains the same, but it's great for what it is well the the album, not the movie so much,
1: Yeah, it's greatest hits, yeah,
2: the movie's weird, um. So then we go to 1979. So in November, December 78, they convene in uh, Stockholm in Sweden and uh, start recording this album that would become In Through the Outdoor. And uh, like you said, there was a lot of issues going on behind the scenes with the band at the time. Uh, Robert's son passing away. um, Awful situation there, I can't imagine. Um, But, you know... John Paul Jones ends up being a co-writer on six of the seven songs and uh, has a huge say in this record, which probably to you know keep him happy. But uh, I think this is a great record, and I think they, yeah, we're going to talk about Coda, but this is them. I think they did go out on a, on a bit of a high note. Um, it needs more material. It's a seven-song album, so it's not, it could have used more, but then there's two songs on here I definitely would have taken off. Uh, one of which is one of the worst things ever. Not just worst, for Zeppelin songs ever. One of the worst songs ever. I'll get to that. Um, to me, you've got In the Evening, great opening to the to the record. Love it. A lot of people are sick of that one but for a pop song they they do it great and this is an example of what you said with Bonham even if you don't like the song you have to appreciate his drumming on that the shuffle beat he plays through that whole thing is awesome Carousel Umbra is a little weird it's 10 minutes long but it's cool I like I like all the twists and turns it goes through All My Love I actually I liked as a ballad when I was younger but as a, an adult who has kids, uh, it really hurts to listen to it knowing what it's about. Um, my heart goes out to yeah. him for that. I'm going to Crawl I like a lot. Um, but if I'm going to pick my best on this one, I'm going to go with In the Evening. I think it's it's my favorite thing on here. Um, but I like most of the songs. But the worst one and one of the worst crimes perpetrated on music listeners <laughs> is a song called Hot Dog. This is a steaming, pardon the pun, file of shit. And Mike Schmidt, who's one of my favorite uh, comedians, on a podcast famously said, there is someone out there whose favorite Led Zeppelin song is Hot Dog and we must find this person and we must kill them. (laughs) And I wholeheartedly agree, because it is just awful. Now, Southman Suarez is a close second.
1: All right, well... I really don't hold this album in very high regard. It had been a long time since I listened to it. Absolutely 100%, without <laughs> a doubt, Hot Dog is garbage. Garbage. It sounds like sounds like it'd be good background music for like a Benny Hill runaround scene.
2: Like I said, they like to troll people. That's that's my theory.
1: <laughs> it worked with that, except it lives on forever on your album. It might have been funny at the moment, but you don't think, oh, people are going to be talking about this album in the year 2023, and they're going to be giving us hell over this stupid-ass song. Ah, but it's funny right now. Fuck it. Leave it on there. <laughs> I mean, this album's okay. It's all right. I mean... I'm Gonna Crawl has got an epic, epic guitar solo to it. Yeah. Like all this stuff does. All of My Love is an all time great of the sweetest, sweet, but legit love ballads. It's not like you think about a love ballad, you think about All of My Love, you think, oh, he's singing about a girl. You know, he's singing about a woman he's in love with. But it was written by John Paul Jones for Robert Plant, and then they. It's about Robert Plant's son that died. Yeah. And so, like, on the surface, you think, oh, pretty love song. But then you go, man, there's, this This is legit, man. Like, any joker in the 80s can write, oh, we, you know, we got to write a love ballad. We got to get a hit song. That's not this. This is the real thing. Yours is the
3: plot. Lines with you.
1: Rain? I mean, is that today's most overplayed Led Zeppelin song? I mean, I don't think they play Stairway to Heaven like they used to on the radio. I think Fool in the Rain maybe is taking its spot. When I hear classic rock radio, it seems like that one always comes up.
2: Speaking of the trolling thing, like, do you think they got halfway through recording that? and Like, you know what would really fuck with people? Let's put a conga line in the middle of this.
1: <sighs> That's so lame. And I had to look it up because it's like, What does this song remind me of? It's like it's taking me back to something. It's triggering something in my memories. And what it triggered was memories of my very first Casio keyboard that my parents ever bought me when I was like a young teenager. And it's like, what is that sound? I know that sound. And I looked it up like, ah, Samba. (laughs) I remember the setting on the Casio keyboard that sounded just like this song. samba no thank you southbone suarez uh shalala la 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 terrible i mean it's bouncy and it's poppy it's got just enough cool guitar in it to still make it kind of okay but not really man if this was where led zeppelin was going i mean it would have been nice if john bonham would have lived but man not good i mean carousel Lombra? I mean, what the fuck is this? The Alan
2: Parsons project? Yeah, but there's a lot of good pieces in that song.
1: I like it. I'm going to agree with you, though, on the best. It's got that 2001 Space Odyssey synth intro. It's got lots of keyboards on this entire album. Thanks a lot, John Paul Jones. Not the best song in Zeppelin's discography, but probably the best song on this album. It's in the evening. Right on. Not hard to pick the best off of this one because... It's all kind of subpar to what you'd expect from Led Zeppelin. This one is a mishmash for sure. Yeah, kind of a lame way to go out, but they didn't know they were going out. There's actually more songs I like on Coda than I do on this.
2: Oh, I don't agree
1: with that. But that's it. That's officially the last Led Zeppelin album. Because shortly after this, John Bonham dies They're all burnt out They've been ruling the world for too long They're tired And it's time to hang it up And with John Bonham dead and gone It's the perfect excuse to do it They all go on to do solo stuff Robert Plant comes back first with the Honey Drippers Like we talked about Pretty lame, not cool Jimmy Page I mean, he gets involved in a bunch of different stuff But doesn't really come out with his own band Until years later John Paul Jones diddles around in all kinds of different bands and things and projects. I mean, he's awesome. You ever heard the album by a band called them Crooked Vultures?
2: Oh yeah, I liked it a lot actually.
1: It's got dude from uh Queens of the Stone Age, it's got Dave Grohl in it and John Paul Jones.
2: Yeah, it's actually really
1: good. It's super awesome. So these guys all do go on to do some cool stuff. And even Robert Plant does have some decent songs mixed in, some of the deeper tracks on his albums over the years before he goes into Americana folk rock stuff he does today. Jimmy Page, of course, best known for Page Coverdale, I think, which I like that album quite a bit. The Firm has got some cool stuff. But overall, I mean, you just can't touch Zeppelin. So to wrap it all up, to put a bow on their entire discography, they decided to do this, release one last album of songs that were created during their whole career and then cataloged and put out for one last gift to the fans, and that would be Coda in 1982.
2: See, I wish I was old enough to remember... You know, to see what the real reaction was among fans when this came out. I wonder if it was dismissive or if people were really excited for this.
1: I bet you people were pretty excited.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting collection of songs. And this is something, I, this is one I've never gone back to since I heard it way long ago. So it was almost like hearing it for the first time for me, um, several of these songs. Although, you know, some of it was used for the box set, but not much and um i don't know this one uh, i there's good stuff on here we're gonna groove is an odd opener um kind of goes all over the place kind of i don't know almost like a i hear a little bit of jimmy hendrix experience influence on some of this stuff um and that probably makes sense
1: cuz that was an early song that they used to open shows during like their concerts in 1970 I think I read yeah so if this was something that would have came out on an album I guess it would have been right around the time of Led Zeppelin 1 or 2 and I think this that song fits in pretty good with that stuff
2: yeah and I was expecting that my best was going to be one of the earlier songs they sourced on this but it's not it's actually one of the songs that was meant for In Through the Outdoor in 78 which surprised me when I looked up... Because I even wasn't sure about the source dates for these things. And when I looked at it, I'm like, wow, I actually picked a, a later era song. But uh, there's good stuff on it, though. I Can't Quit You, Baby's Cool. Um, yeah. Bonzo's Mantro was on the box set and actually was tacked on with um, Moby Dick. And to get... So it's odd hearing it without Moby Dick on top of it. So... It was a little weird, but but I still appreciate it and it's a great it's kind of reminds me of what Kiss did with uh, Car Jam, you know. Yeah. Drummer passes, let's put a solo on there or a piece of drumming. Um love that. I almost picked that cuz honestly that's what i liked the most was really? his, his drumming piece. Um but I'm not going to that'd be kind of cheating. So for best, I'm going to go with Ozone Baby, which is an outtake from 78 which kind of surprises me that it didn't make the record because I think it's a pretty strong Zeppelin song. not like original material great but i i think it it holds up fine and i definitely would have put it on the record if it was me so i i love that song um and then for worst uh i went with poor tom this song is so weird i don't know how else to describe it it's just i and i and i tried listening uh, several times to it thinking well surely i'm gonna see the greatness in this thing if i listen to it enough (laughs) And uh, that just never happened. It just, I just kept going back on, yeah, this is just not a good song. I don't like this. So uh, best is Ozone Baby, worst is Poor Tom.
1: Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, I like We're Gonna Groove. It's a good hard rocker. Walter's Walk is a song I think is pretty cool because it's really heavy for Zeppelin. Like, it's, like, I can almost see, like, the thrash metal guys. Like, at the time that, like, the Sunset Strip bands are listening to some of the other songs, like, the heavy guys are listening to like Walter's walk and going hmm by Zeppelin standards I Can't Quit You Baby is awesome like a heavy blues rocker that thing just drips with juicy sexiness I love a song like that Darlene's cool it's got like that R&B vibe to it wearing and tearing I like that's another one where I think Robert Plant really emulates Steve Marriott I'm gonna agree with you for the best it's Ozone Baby it feels like the 70s yeah warm like summertime it's so good it's like a feel-good song i really like that the worst i don't know on the disc i got which is the 93 version of coda that came out that had extra tracks on it it's got the b-side to the immigrant song hey hey what can i do maybe that is the most overplayed zeppelin song today
2: yeah but it's awesome
1: Eh, I don't think so. It it is better than Poor Tom, which to me is like Battle of Evermore without dragons. (laughs) And you just can't do that. I mean, yeah, sure, it's got murder, but it doesn't have dragons.
2: Battle of Evermore had better melody and hooks to it than Yeah. You know, this has no hooks at all.
1: But I could see a bunch of like you know dwarves and trolls and elves and they're skipping down the trail and playing their flutes and
3: dee 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 dee.
1: Poor Tom. Pretty lame. I could see why that one never made it on an album. Yeah, not a
2: good song at all. It's no hot dog.
1: No, it's definitely better than Hot Dog, (laughs) but not by much. I really, really
2: wonder if somebody in the comments section is going to profess their love for Hot Dog when this comes out.
1: Hey, Hot Dog's my jam. (laughs) I love that song. You're the one. How dare you besmirch the good name of Hot Dog. (laughs) And then what you said about poor Tom, it was just too much. I couldn't take it anymore.
2: That was my wedding song
1: still better than the Peter Chris song off a of psycho circus <laughs> 100% <laughs> so there it is we've done it the entire discography of led zeppelin and i think what i've learned from this is that you know sometimes i feel like led zeppelin is overrated And that's just because they are so universally loved. Like, everybody loves Led Zeppelin. Like, you don't talk to people about music that know anything about music that say, Led Zeppelin, they suck. Like, nobody says that. I guess somebody must, but man, it's got to be rare. Because they're so universally loved and respected that it almost feels like, yeah, you know, if everybody loves them, then maybe they're not as great as I think. But then... You really go back and listen to some of these songs. I mean, The Rover and Cashmere and Trampled Underfoot and, you know, the Wanton song and Achilles' Last Stand and Nobody's Fault But Mine. Yeah, and even in the evening, what the hell, you know? These songs are damn good. And when people talk about Led Zeppelin being one of the greatest, if not the greatest band in all of hard rock and heavy metal history, I mean, when you look at the discography as a whole, it's hard not to accept that as truth because, like I said, I feel like they're overrated sometimes, but then like when we do something like this and I sit down and I really listen to the music, I mean, like, really listen to it, I'm just blown away. Like, you can't expect this band to be 100% perfect every time, but holy shit, do they come close.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, when you take the deep dive you start appreciating stuff more and yeah. that's a, something everyone should do. I'll, I'll even do that with new albums, but, uh, but with Zeppelin, you're right. They were just, they were kind of like the creme de la creme in most people's eyes. And like, we get mocked for liking poison or kiss or, you know, or Motley Crue. And for some reason it seemed easy to poke fun at them, but with Zeppelin it's like, Oh, we can't poke fun at them.
1: Right. You know? So like I remember being in high school and there was this chick and she was like, you like kiss. And I'm like, yeah, Kiss is the best. And she's like, no. And I said, well, who do you think's the best? She's like, Led Zeppelin. And I go, oh. (laughs) Okay, all right.
2: There's a potential for a bonus episode on Patreon. Uh, What bands have the worst fan base that would turn you off of their music?
1: Not Led Zeppelin. I mean, yeah, they were full of confidence, I think. Because if you say... If Led Zeppelin's your favorite band and you come with anything else, nine times out of ten, you win.
2: Yeah, but but then people that really get into this stuff, like our great listeners um, and fellow music podcasters, it's also like saying Zeppelin's your favorite band is like saying, well, I root for the Yankees because they win. Or I root for the Patriots when they were on their run, or I guess now the Chiefs. What does that say about yeah,
1: me? Yeah, I guess so, because it's the, the cool thing. Like, you can't lose. Like So a lot of people might not really be Zeppelin fans, but they just say that in order to win because yeah. that's a argument that's easy to win? Makes well, sense, I
2: guess. Well, how are you going to argue it, you know? Or you could be the opposite and be the asshole that says the Beatles are overrated and suck.
1: Yeah, there's a reason... And if you do what Chris and I have done, and I recommend that you do it, go through the Led Zeppelin discography and really listen to every album. Like I said, no, they're not perfect. Each album has, well, maybe one or two, maybe might be perfect. But for the most part, there's going to be something on there you think isn't good or isn't as strong as the rest. We can say that. But. For the most part, these guys were unfreaking stoppable and were so talented. And like I said, what they each brought to the table individually was so strong that when it interconnected and became music, the music is amazing. Like Even if it's weird, a lot of times you can go, yeah, it's weird, but... Man, there's some cool, weird stuff going on in this song, and it's still kind of cool, even though it's weird. Except for Hot Dog. (laughs) You
2: stole my joke. I was about to say that.
1: And maybe Black Country Woman. (laughs) But trust me, you will thank us. Get that discography, take the deep dive on the Led Zeppelin, and you will know what we're talking about when we say, man, there's a reason... People consider Led Zeppelin to be the greatest hard rock band of all time. It's hard to argue it.
2: Definitely. And uh, I look forward to everyone's takes on their best and worst in the comments section. Make sure you uh, share, retweet, and uh, or re zeet or whatever the hell they say on X Now. And uh, thanks for spreading the word. And we look forward to hearing what you have to say.
1: Yeah, we want to know because with Chris and I, it's just our opinions. What's fun for us is doing this show and then looking back in the comments and seeing your opinions because they're different than ours or they might be the same. But either way, it's a lot of fun to interact with you guys. Do that on the Facebook and, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. And then leave us a review or a recommendation. And then go check out Pantheon Podcast. They got all the best. And then come back and see us next week. Yeah.